This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thanks, Josh. If we could just have the, yeah, the first slide up. That's the reference we just looked up, just in case you didn't have time to find it. Do uh, look it up now. We're going to be looking at that together over the next few minutes. My name's Morris. I'm one of the leaders here at Christchurch. Great to see you if you're here, and hello if you're watching at home as well. Um, we miss you, but we're glad you're able to tune in. And we're continuing looking at this letter of 1 John, as we're going to be doing over this whole uh, September to Christmas time. Now, I know there's some exciting tennis news overnight if you're a sports fan, so that's exciting. But of course, I'm sure the news that you're really wanting to hear from me today is my update on Married at First Sight, which is the tacky TV programme that I'm watching at the moment, but uh, I really need to watch because it's important for sermon illustrations, uh, obviously. And last week we were talking about um, one of the things that's really coming out in this programme, Marriage at First Sight, is that our idea of authenticity, that is, you can be yourself all the time, and that's really respectful. It pulls against forming a community. So there was uh, this woman, she was just being horrible to her husband all the time, and uh, in the end she said, is there anything you like about me? And he said, oh, you're really authentic, which, as I said last week, is a nice way of putting it. It's like you just say what you think uh, all the time, but that means it's very hard to connect with people. I think that should come up on the screen. Authenticity and community are often pulling against each other in different directions. If you always just want to be yourself, it's very hard to make connections with other people. But this week in Married at First Sight, yet another illustration surfaced with two people uh, who had just got married, one of them saying to the other, the thing is, unless you're willing to be honest with me about who you are, unless you're willing to be authentic, I can't ever really form a relationship with you, which makes sense as well, doesn't it? If you're having to hide who you are all the time and what you think, and particularly parts of yourself you might feel ashamed of, how can you really be connecting in truth with another person? So we just need to be clear. I think what one John is disagreeing with is this, that it's the most important thing you can do to truly be yourself. 1 John says there are more important and better things to do than that. But he is agreeing, I think. If we're in a community, we have to, and we certainly have to feel able to, not hide who we are from each other. We need space to be honest, to really be connecting with people, to be authentic. But then 
if I really think the only thing that matters is that I'm ringing myself, I can't be in community. It sort of becomes a very difficult knot to cut through. How do we find a place we are loved and known and accepted, but we don't just like mess other people up all the time by being ourselves and hurting them when we do it? Well, John says, big claim throughout this letter, he says that the true message about Jesus passed on to us through the people who saw Jesus and knew him and heard him, that always creates a fellowship, a deep connection, a profound communion between people, a communion with God. But more than that, John says the quality of relationship between people who trust Jesus reflects and echoes the relationship God has in himself with his son. John uses this phrase lots of times, eternal life. And what he means by that is the love that God has always shared with his son, Jesus. And we are welcomed into that deep, perfect communion. That is Jesus' offer to anybody. No matter where they're from or what they've done or what their beliefs have been in the past, you're welcome to come and live in that relationship with God that Jesus has. And I get to offer you that but only because we're connected to the real Jesus through the message of the people who saw him and touched him and know him. So the message that God became a human being creates a oneness between us and God and therefore between the people who trust him. But why would it do that? You know, we can agree about lots of things, me and you. We can agree that, you know, Married at First Sight is the best program on TV or whatever, That's good. It's nice. We've got something to talk about. It doesn't create like a deep communion. We can agree that Everton is the best football team or not agree. Uh, Controversial example. Um, But that doesn't create a deep communion. It's just we both happen to believe something we can talk about. But John says this message is different. If you believe what Jesus says, you can enter a fellowship with others that means you don't have to hide who you are. It's the first thing we see today. It'll come up on the screen. Walk in the light. Oh, that was a Jordan from Married at First Sight. We can crack on to the next slide. <laughs> Walk in the light. Some people come to church very hurt, hurt by hurts from Christian communities in the past. Christian communities are imperfect and they get lots of things wrong. One of the ways I've been hurt, and I'm sure others have too, is that there are Christians you rely on, people you think you can trust, and then after a while you discover they're not at all who they said they were. There are whole areas of their life where they were living in the dark. And that always comes out in the end, but when it comes out, people get hurt. Well, here's what John says. Look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, that's Jesus, and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, God is light. It means that God is perfectly pure. There is nothing sinful or wrong about God. It also means that God is honest. There is no bit of God that is dishonest or underhand or secreted away from us. God is light, and unlike us, in him there's no darkness at all. 
And what that means is, if you come to know God, there isn't anywhere to hide. That's what he says. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If God is light and we know him, there's no hiding. I once went to see some friends of mine who live in a very uh, posh house uh, with floor-to-ceiling windows onto their back garden. And we were sitting there eating dinner with our floor-to-ceiling windows and suddenly their security light came on, which is what you need if you've got a posh house. Their security light came on in the garden and they're frozen in the light was a fox. The picture should come on the screen to help you illustrate, help us understand that, see that. And when there is no darkness left, you are exposed like the fox. There's nothing you can do about that. If God is light and you're in fellowship with him, the truth about you can't be hidden. You can't be at one, God, uh, John says, with this real God and have parts of you that are hidden to everybody. You have two choices, he says. You can know God and be exposed for who you really are, or you can hide in the darkness, but then you'll be nowhere near the light. If you're hiding most of the truth about yourself, hiding pretending to be something that you're not, continually dishonest with everyone about yourself, you can't be doing that and be in the light. You can't really know the God who's light and continually be dishonest about yourself. If we say, John says, we have fellowship with him but still walk in the darkness, I mean, he's harsh, he says, we're just lying. It's a hard ask, isn't it? It is saying if you want to be near, close to the real God who we meet in Jesus, the life where that truth about Jesus welcomes you in, well, you don't have to pay anything to get that life. Jesus offers it to anyone. But it does mean God is life. And walking in the truth about who you are will mean God exposes you. I mean, this, we have this weird desire, don't we, to both be known and not known at the same time. I was very lucky to get married before the advent of dating apps. I don't know any of you are like caught up in using those at the moment. Could you have a more uh, uh, clear example of people longing to be both known and hiding at the same time? I mean, here's a dating app profile. It's a made-up one. I didn't actually go on a dating app to uh, find one, just to be clear. It should come up on the next screen. Um, The next one, yeah. There we go. And I do not believe this is a representation of this person's life. Do you? Do you think she's always walking around, turning around and laughing? She's on the app because she wants to meet someone, but she says the most, you know, amazing thing about her is that she once went to Mexico or something. Is that really the most interesting, amazing thing about her? Of course it isn't. But yet there is this deep desire to meet someone and be known at the same time, hide who you are. But gospel says, John says, if you're going to fellowship with God, you can't hide who you are. If you really want him to meet that need you have to be known, there's no hiding. God is light. There is nowhere to hide. Walking with him means full acceptance by the only one who matters, but it means no hiding anything about who you are. And that's hard, isn't it? 
the thought of that. But John says there's two reasons to do it. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, one, we have fellowship with one another. We are here in this place because the real God who is light became a person and he calls us to know him and you can have real oneness with other people walking in the light. It's a possibility. It is the offer of a functioning church, sometimes disappointing because sometimes people still prefer to lie. But this should be the place where true oneness between people can happen because we're all walking in the light. Now listen, isn't it true? You can't really have deep fellowship with someone who doesn't want to be exposed. With someone who wants to hide things about themselves that they're embarrassed of, you can't really connect with that person ever, can you? But if God is light and it calls us to safely walk in the light with him, well, then it's opening up the chance for real, authentic connection. Authenticity. Knowing the truth about yourself is good because it becomes a means of relating to others. But along with that, the second reason to do it, if we walk in the light as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, as I said, I think to walk in the light seems too hard an ask. God uh, is light. You can't pretend you're better than you are and really know the true God. You can't have fellowship with other people if you constantly want to hide what's bad about yourself. But here John says, look, if you walk in the light, you open up, you'll find you do have fellowship with other Christians. And remember when you're doing that, that nothing can be brought into the light. Nothing can be brought into the gaze of fellowship that the blood of Jesus has not already cleansed you from. We are that community that believes that because the real God became real flesh and blood human being and died for us in our place, all the worst things about us probably will be brought out when we get together. And that's okay. Because they're cleansed already by him. And that's real fellowship, isn't it? That's honesty, but without fear. That is authenticity. Whatever bad thing comes out as we fellowship at this level with each other, and some bad stuff will come out, Jesus' death has cleansed it. One of the discussions I often have with myself, actually, and with others about all of this, living in fellowship, is people will say, well, listen, for the truth about me, the worst things about me to come out, for real fellowship to happen, I have to be sure that the people around me won't judge me. I have to be sure of that first before I can be open about myself. Well, I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, you can't be sure of that because my guess is you're probably a self-righteous, judgmental person like me. And so uh, the people around you are probably a bit like that too. And some bad stuff is going to come out and they're probably going to react badly to it, I'm afraid. But the gospel offers something better than that. Not the guarantee that other people will always be free of judgment from you. It says, no judgment you make about me 
can change what the only person who matters thinks about me, which is that the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from anything that comes out in our fellowship together. Um, I'm still at the stage in life where my little kids love their teacher. So like what Miss Edwards says is above what is in the Bible. It's like (laughs) Miss Edwards says it. So if the kids come home and say like, we think we should do this, and we say, we're not really sure we should do that. They're like, well, Miss Edwards says you can do it. She wins. If Miss Edwards is happy, doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Well, we're called into that childlike faith in God. He says it's fine. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. You might be judgmental. I might be. Who knows? People are imperfect. But God, through Jesus, says you're cleansed by the real blood of the human being Jesus, the eternal Son of God. So come into fellowship, knowing that. And so there is a chance, a chance of us having real fellowship because my openness doesn't depend on your response, only on the finished, definite work of Jesus who cleanses us from sin. This is supposed to be encouraging, I think, rather than challenging. And I think for me it is. I guess, being my rule, I get a bird's eye view of lots of things going on in our church family that lots of people don't. And I do want to encourage you, lots and lots of people in our church are walking in the light. They're practicing the truth. They're not, you know, telling everybody all their problems, but they're not hiding the darkness from the Christians closest to them. They're saying, this is all that's bad about me. Please help me. And they're doing that because they have confidence that whatever comes out, Jesus has already cleansed. But there is a discipline, a practice that goes along with this truth. And the practice John is going to talk about is confession. If I'm going to be the authentic me in real community, I'm going to have to believe that the blood of Jesus cleanses the worst things about me. The discipline I need is confession, opening up about the bad things about myself. And that's what John talks about next. You'll see it on the screen, confessing the truth. Next slide after that. Now, confession, just to be clear, is a word that has been stolen. So I didn't realize this until I was reading the Bible this week, uh, reading commentaries this week, that in the earliest churches, the practice was that everybody confessed their sins to the whole church. So shall we bring that back? Anyone ready to start? I'm joking, in case you're really scared, like the Jesus is the mighty, mighty king for adults. Confess your sin now. In the earliest churches, they confessed their sin to the whole church, and then I guess because the meetings were probably going on quite a long time, and maybe were a bit embarrassing, they changed it to like, why don't you just go and confess your sins to the church leader? And that, over many years, sort of became a bit twisted, to confess your sins to someone you call the priest, and he'll tell you that you're forgiven. He'll speak on God's behalf. And so this word has come to mean go to confession. You see it in TV dramas and stuff, don't you? Like people going into a little cupboard and like talking to the priest and then that counts as confession and then go and do what you like again, basically. Now, while there's things to learn from that practice, and we'll come to that, that is not what John means by confession here. He's basically simply saying, if you're going to live in authenticity, 
it's going to mean owning the bad stuff about yourself. That's different from the world's view of authenticity, which is basically like, this is me, who I am, and you're just going to have to accept it, which is what's going on in Married at First Sight a lot. Christian openness is different because it takes the posture of confession. This thing about me is not good, and I take responsibility for it. It's true, isn't it? You can't have real fellowship or connection with someone who thinks they're right all the time. Can you? I mean, you may not have people like that in your life, people who, whatever you say, you are still always the one in the wrong. And I would guess your relationship with that person is not very strong. But the gospel says this about us. It says, listen, everything about you is totally loved. There's no danger. Whatever comes out, the blood of Jesus will cover it. Christians have to love you, whatever comes to the surface. But also, everything about you is a little bit wrong and messed up. And if you walk in the light, those dark things will become exposed too. They need to be. And so John says two things we mustn't say. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's basically like people who say, no, sinfulness, it's not a thing. I'm a good person. Sometimes people say it about all people. People are all basically good people. I'm just like, have you ever met any people, if you think that? If God is light and we're going to walk in the light with him, we have to not say, no, there's no, nothing bad about me. That is not walking in the light. Owning that you're corrupted and wrong in yourself and you want wrong things and that comes from you and that makes you do bad stuff it's not in fashion but if you deny it you're not in the truth there's a poster that's gone up near our house I think it's supposed to help our mental health Um, and it just says you are enough I mean maybe that's true of you (laughs) I am not enough I don't know how that is supposed to make me feel better, except if I was on drugs or something. I need to do the opposite of that. I need to own that, in fact, I'm not enough. I don't, and it's not even just that I make mistakes. There's something in me that's bad and produces bad stuff. And if we deny that, we're deceiving ourselves. And we certainly, John says, haven't met the truth, the light, the word of life that is in Jesus Someone once said to me, I struggled with believing this doctrine, the doctrine Christians called original sin, until I had children. Then I discovered my children produced all of these bad things out of their heart that I'm pretty sure I never taught them to do. Where is it coming from? And then they said, and the thing about me as an adult is, I'm just still like a child. I still feel all the things that they feel. You just learn to be polite. You know, not to lie down in the supermarket floor and scream about it. But that's what you want to do. It's all still there. If you think you're essentially good and okay by yourself, John says you you can't have met Jesus. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Verse 10, he says, if we claim we have not sinned, that's slightly different. I think this is the person who can only see situations through the fault of other people. So they would sort of sign up and say, well, there's no doubt I'm a sinner in a sort of general way. But if we're having difficulty, it must be you that's the problem. 
I haven't sinned. And the truth tells us that even in a situation where it seems I am the total victim, there will always be something in my own life that I will have got wrong. And anyone who enters situations saying, I have definitely not sinned here, that's not a possibility. It must be everybody else's fault. John says they're making God out to be a liar. And we haven't really taken in the truth about ourselves as God tells it to us. And you'll know again, it is impossible to have fellowship with people like that, isn't it? People who enter every conversation as if they are always in the right. You can't relate authentically to that person. Authenticity in the married first sight, uh, married at first sight sense is, is just honesty. You have to accept me how I am. It is honesty without humility. Here's the truth about me. But I might be bad. And Christians do honestly with humility this discipline of confession. Uh, it's very easy to be manipulative about this. I remember once I was in a small group at a conference and someone came to join us and sat down and said, oh, someone who was sharing a room with really annoyed me last night. And we were like, oh, right, we, we were studying one John, so we were like, great, time to put this into practice. Well done in confessing your sin. And she was like, yes, and I went to them to say, and I went to them to say, I'm really sorry if I disturbed you last night, in the hope that they would say, I'm sorry I disturbed you last night, and they didn't. I said, I'm sorry I disturbed you last night, and they said, oh, thanks for saying sorry. <laughs> now, can you see what's going on there? Nobody would admit they'd done anything wrong. And so there's no real fellowship. They walked away unfellowshipped. And John's saying there's a different path, a path called confession. Now, it's not a confession to a particular person who can grant forgiveness. It's a lifestyle of constantly going to God with the things you get wrong and owning them. And John promises the faithful and just God will not only forgive you, but will cleanse you and change you and make you different if your walk through life is constantly going back to him with the things you know are wrong. Now, a few things about that. It says God's faithful and just and will forgive us. Some people might think, well, it's not very just of God to forgive us just because we confess. We'll come back to that in a minute. How does confessing our sin lead not just to forgiveness but cleansing? Well, a friend of mine once said this, sin grows in the dark. The more that you hide something bad about yourself and insist it's okay because it's me, the more power it has over you, the more it grows. Getting it out there, owning it, owning that you are the problem, knowing God's power through Jesus, that you're okay with him, that means you can actually change, doesn't it? I mean, surely we've all experienced that. The more we hide what's wrong with it, the more it grows. The more we're ready to get it out there, the more it can be dealt with. So should we bring back confessing our sins to the whole church? I'm going to say no. Should we start me, you know, build a little cupboard in the corner there for you all to come and confess to me? I'm going to say no to that too. I think John is saying we confess to God. But he's also saying there is a rule for other people. You can be kidding yourself 
about receiving forgiveness. Uh, I'm reading a book at the moment with the interns. Uh, should come up on the screen. Um, uh, yeah, next one. Of by a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who set up a Christian community in, uh, to sort of stand against the Nazis in Nazi Germany. So he was really concerned about this community modeling the gospel to this society that was going totally wrong. And he talks about, if you've confessed to God, why confess to anybody else? And he says this, you could be kidding yourself about receiving forgiveness. If God, who is holy, has forgiven you through Jesus and assures you it's done, why wouldn't you tell someone else? Why would you keep it still hidden? Unless, of course, you've got a sneaking suspicion. It's not really dealt with. He says, confess your sins to each other is a way of appropriating the, the forgiveness that we know God has given. Get it out in the light if you think God's forgiven it. We were uh, doing this, me and a friend of mine recently, uh, we were like, let's put into words the things that we think are important instead of God. It was like an exercise we were doing to grow as Christians. We had to write them down. And my friend was writing down, and he wrote down what he was thinking. He was like, I sound like a monster when I do this. This is grim when I write down what's actually going on in my heart. But can you see that knowing it's cleansed by Jesus and then saying it, praying about it, living that way, that really can bring cleansing. But if you want to know that cleansing, you're going to have to keep going to the real Jesus. That's the third thing we see. Keep going to the real Jesus. If confession leads to forgiveness, why don't I just keep on doing bad things? Well, John doesn't think that will happen at all. He says in chapter 2, this verse 1, I write this to you to help you not to do, keep doing bad things. He thinks walking in the light, being real with one another, knowing we're cleansed by Jesus, owning my sin and confessing it, that will help me change for the better. So let's not labor under the weird delusion that hiding how bad we are and trying to be a better person will change us. It won't. God is light, bringing myself into his light, owning my faults in community, happy receiving forgiveness for God and receiving affirmation of that from a Christian brother or sister. That is what will bring us to change. But I'll be honest with you, it's not like I'm finding that change is really overnight for me. Not instant. Still, every day, there's new areas. Things that need to change in my life come to the fore. And I think when that happens to us, some of us get like, oh, I can't come to God or other Christians when I've discovered this bad, ugly thing. People do the opposite of what this is calling us to do. They get cast on and depressed and hide from God because, oh, he must be so disgusted or annoyed with what I'm like. And that's where John says two things about Jesus you need to know if that's how you feel. The first one is this word, advocate. It's a lovely picture of Jesus. An advocate is someone who sort of brings you in, walks with you, and then says, I'll talk on your behalf. And what John is saying here about Jesus is this you trust him is that Jesus does that for you, no matter what bad thing you discover about yourself. 
Jesus is always saying, well, come into God with me. Remember, Jesus is the Son God who has always loved. And Jesus brings us into God the Father and says, hey, this one's with me. When you do that worst sin again and again, when you come face to face with terrible things about you, don't hide from God and other Christians because you have Jesus saying, no, 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 you're with me. You come with me. You confess your sin. And this other word should come up on the screen, atoning. That's what John says. He's an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. That word just means that every last bit of punishment that could be there for whatever bad thing you've done, all of it has been taken by Jesus. God doesn't want to be angry with you. He loves you. But even if he wanted to, he's bound himself to not be able to be because Every last bit of judgment is taken away when you trust Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you see, all of that means this community is one in which you can be really known. You can walk in the light. You don't need to fear the judgment of other Christians Because you're cleansed by Jesus. Life every day of the Christian is not pretending to be good and trying to be a bit better. It's not entering every situation as if you're going to get it right. But confessing sin to God and others. And if that seems too hard for you to walk in, you need to remember our big brother, our advocate, who's saying to you right now, well, listen... I have perfect standing with God. Come with me. We want you there. And a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus saying, there can't be any punishment left for you here because I took it all. If that's true, community is possible. Lots of us are fighting. Fighting with the sense that we want to be authentic but it's pulling us from community, fighting with the sense that we want to be known, but we don't want the worst things about us to come out. And it is Jesus who says, you can't be in community without hiding. You can. Because I'm calling you in. And no one here gets to say that I'm wrong. I'm your advocate, Jesus. And I'm calling you in and no one here gets to say my death isn't enough for you. It was an atoning sacrifice that covered all the sin that needed covered. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Let's walk in the light. That means practicing the discipline of confession. As that brings out all the stuff we wish wasn't there, just remember, enjoy, love our advocate who atones for us. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, so much for Jesus. We thank you that you give us this process of being in fellowship in this confidence that our sin is dealt with so we don't hide but we confess and living in that way 
close relationships, confessing, knowing our badness, trusting you, you do actually change us. But we thank you even more than that, that when that brings out the worst stuff about us, Jesus is still calling us in and still assuring us that his death is enough. And we pray for that assurance from your Holy Spirit today.